this episode, we're going to talk Lake Mungo, Halloween Ends, Keanu Reeves in a horror series, and The Toxic Avenger. But first, let's talk Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. So crack one open because you're going to need it. Last week, Jim and I talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre and how they can breathe some fresh life into this franchise, do one of these movies well. It's been a while since they have. They just keep redoing the same thing. And I had pitched essentially what was Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation. I said, let's put Leatherface to the side and let's focus on some of these other crazy family members. Well, it turns out they already did that shit. They did that with Matthew McConaughey, Renee Zellweger, and I hadn't seen that movie in a while, so I said, you know what, for this week's show, I'm going to watch it. And I did, and I urge everyone listening to do the same, because that shit is crazy! This movie was bananas. Now, I, I knew it wasn't great, and it's not, but it's definitely worth watching. If you've ever wanted to see... Matthew McConaughey played Nicolas Cage. This is the movie for you. This is the one where he does that. He's just turned up to 11 or 12 even, and it's it's fucking nuts. Renee Zellweger's in there. She's looking pretty good. She's the, the shy, nerdy girl. Really good final girl stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think of the last time there's been like a mousy nerdy girl. I mean, Laurie Strode was, you know, straight laced, but she wasn't, you know, glasses and, you know, super nerd. She was just a good girl. This one, she is uh, super nerdy. They they really dork her up. Uh, There's some deleted scenes, unfortunately, that aren't in the actual movie where you get to see her do some more of that and her stepdad's like a creep. And that would have been helpful in the movie. Now, The Next Generation was made by the guy who co-wrote the first original Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Toby Hooper, so you'd think that this would be good, uh, but it, it is not. You know, this guy wanted to get away from the seriousness and leaned into the dark comedy, and I don't think that's going to work here, brother. That's not going to work for me. Uh, they've got Leatherface. Leather. Matthew McConaughey's always calling Leatherface Leather. Go get her. Go get her, Leather. Leather. And I'll tell you, I kind of love that. I kind of love that. What would you call him? Would you call him leather or face? Because I think they do that in uh, Batman, one of the, the bad Batman ones, when they're talking to Two-Face. And he's like, the, the, the bat's out here, face. He's on the windshield, face. And I said, oh, okay, I, I like that. Um, so they kind of do a similar thing here, calling him leather. And I, and I think that works better. I, th- I do think that works a little bit better. So the story of, of this one is uh, easy to go over. Uh, four high schoolers, they get in a car, car accident, Woods, Sawyer House. So now it's just Texas Chainsaw time, except for it's not uh, the Sawyers in this. They're the Slaughters, which is not a great change. I don't care for that uh, at all, but... They did that. I think it's a nod to some bullshit in the original. But don't change the lore. Especially you're the guy that co-wrote the first one. You're changing your own shit for no reason. Why are you doing that? The kills aren't really that great. And it, uh, he gives somebody some a meat hook action. He takes the girl and you know, 
pops around the meat hook, but there's not even any blood. Uh, Leatherface is more of a cross-dresser in this one. Uh, ladies' clothes, wigs, makeup, and just kind of a, a, a punk in this one. And that is not what you want to do with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He's just screaming and crying the whole time. And at one point, even Renee Zellweger is like, you sit the fuck down. And he does, and it's amazing. Uh, that's, that was a really good moment for the Renee Zellweger uh, character. You know, she's starting to fight back and come into her own. And you sit the fuck down. That was awesome. Uh, seek out that clip because that is hilarious. Also, seek out Matthew McConaughey jumping out of a window. It's Texas Chainsaw, so everybody's jumping out of windows. That's just something that happens in this franchise. And he jumps out of like a second uh, story window onto a car. And the noise this man makes, the noise this man makes. I might even try to find it and uh, splice it in right here. Did you hear that? Oh, how goofy was that? That's crazy. God, I hope I spliced that incorrectly. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a weird noise. But that's Matthew McConaughey doing just some of his most unhinged fucking work. And he's he's crazy in this. I can't get past it. Um, most people just remember he has the braces in this one, the leg braces. And it's like remote control activated a little bit. And that just exists so they could get away from him at some point because they fuck with his remote control legs. But... That the things he says, the actions that he does are wild. Like he's always sticking his fingers in Renee Zellweger's mouth, which cam camera's not even rolling, Matt. Hey, Matt, we're not even rolling, man. Just, um, just really good stuff. So check, so check this one out. Oh, and by the way, I'm forgetting the best part of Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation. You know what I've always thought these movies needed the Illuminati at the end of this movie well act three act three kind of kicks it off the Illuminati shows up and how fun is it to say the word Illuminati literally just hello Sawyers it's me Mr. Rothman from the Illuminati <laughs> and he is like a handler of this family and Leatherface and they're keeping tabs on them. They allow them to do these things. In fact, they encourage it. And he says something like, you know, don't forget your purpose here uh, to show these people true horror, uh, something like that. And what the fuck? Like you, we've talked about Thorn in the Halloween franchise and like, is that out of place? I don't know. Maybe they can make it work. But when the Illuminati shows up, that just took a fucking turn. And then this guy's sticking his fingers in Renee Zellweger's mouth, and he's licking her face. And I'm like, oh, poor Renee. Poor Renee. I can see why you didn't want this movie out. And everybody knows that story. Uh, they made this bad movie, and then Matthew McConaughey and Renee kind of got famous. You know, Jerry Maguire and uh, Pelican Brief. Some lawyer movie, No Time to Kill, maybe? One of those. <laughs> and uh, yeah, their management was like, how about no? How about we shut you the fuck down? And Columbia TriStar, I think, was like, we're just going to wait until they're at their most famous and we're going to release this. And I think it worked for them. I think it uh, succeeded with what they were trying to do. They made some monies. And luckily, 
both Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger have kind of come around. They, they, they appreciate it. Renee just wanted the work. She was happy that she had a fucking job. And, you know, Matthew has positive things to say about the, the movie as well, which is nice. Because that, that'd be shitty. I always hate when these legends, these icons hate the movies. You know, we talk about uh, Mrs. Palmer with the Friday the 13th movies and how she's like, I just wanted a car. I just needed a fucking car. And even afterwards, she's like, still fuck those movies. You like this? You like these movies? And when they tried to get her for uh, Freddy vs. Jason, um, for the for the Pamela Voorhees scenes, she was like, nope, fuck off. I've got a car. I've got two cars now. I'm never doing any of these movies ever again. So Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation, if you want to see some crazy shit. And it's definitely one of those so bad it's good. So bad it's entertaining movies. This this is definitely one of them. Apparently there's a Blu-ray of it. God bless. That's awesome. And yeah, the, the Illuminati show up. And I don't, even, I don't even remember the payoff after that because my brain just fucking exploded. And I, I know Renee gets away. They, they hit all the main beats of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The isolation, the, the Sawyer house, final girl runs away, gets rescued in a vehicle. They, they do all those things, but in the weirdest way that I've seen in a long-ass time. So if you've got 90 minutes and you want to see Renee Zellweger looking, looking cute, looking cute, check out Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. I sort of want to do a little bit of a dive into that franchise in general because it's been a while since I've seen them. We've all probably seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre at some point in its entirety within the last couple years. That's just, you know, that's how we do. That's how we do. But when's the last time you saw the second one or the third one? Or any of those terrible modernish sequels? Probably never. So I, I kind of want to do that. So it, it, if you have those movies or if you have access to those movies, start getting them lined up because we're probably going to talk a little bit more Texas Chainsaw Massacre down the road, especially with the new movie coming out in February here. So we're one month away from new Texas Chainsaw. Speaking of movies, I think you should check out, uh, look for Lake Mungo. Try to find Lake Mungo, Here Comes Mungo. And I'll be honest, that's the only reason I fired that up. I think it was on Shudder, one of the streamings. And it said Lake Mungo. And I said, here comes Mungo. And I clicked it just for the for the bit, for the joke. And I was surprised how good it was. I had heard of Lake Mungo. I knew it was part of those uh, eight movies to die for. Jesus Christ, do you guys remember that? I think it was After Dark's eight movies to die for. It was this production company, I think. And their big thing is we're releasing eight movies all at like the same time. It was unheard of at the time. Now Netflix is like, here's 30 shows. Boom. 30 shows and movies one day. How about that drop? But at the time, nobody was doing that shit. And After Dark said eight movies to die for i think cigarette burns was in there 
and Lake Mungo was one of those films. And Lake Mungo, uh, I'm not going to go too spoiler-ish with it because I, I do want you to check this one out. If you don't see Next Generation, I get it. Although Illuminati guy with his fucking weird stomach piercings and licking her face is worth it. You you should see Lake Mungo. It's once again short, so it's a ninety minute little little taste, little morsel, and it's it's a documentary. It's Australian, so I was like, oh Christ, ah shit, here we go, and it's about this girl, this young woman who dies, she drowns at Lake Mungo. Here comes Mungo, there goes Mungo, and it's very sit down style, and they're talking about her and the things that happened after her death it is clever it is a clever uh, little horror film i i had seen people say it's so scary it's frightening the ending terrified me i didn't think it was very scary i thought it was interesting i was like go on tell me more and then what happened because the brother character has a camera He's big into cameras. You always have to have your character that is into cameras for these movies. It, it worked in Paranormal Activity. I did it in a little movie I made called Dirtbags. You have to have your character in your mockumentaries that just has a camera. There needs to be a reason people are filming all this spooky shit. And he's setting up the camera in the hallway. They're thinking there's the ghosts. So, you know, it's that sort of thing. And, oh, somebody walked by on the footage. Ooh, scary. And they kind of play with the fact with, is she even dead? Because when the body washes ashore, and this isn't a huge spoiler, but when the body washes ashore, the the mother doesn't even want to look at it because it's, you know, bloated and gross because it was in the water. And the dad's the only one that IDs the body. So everyone else just kind of has their doubts. They're like, what if it's not her? The body was a mess anyway. It could have been somebody else, perhaps. So you have that doubt. And there's some really good stuff that they do with that. And it has some Twin Peak vibes, for sure. Because at first, it's like, oh, what a nice family. This nice girl's dead in this nice area. And then you find out maybe none of that's really true. Maybe not the nicest family, maybe not the nicest neighbors. And I, I think they do a great job with those little twists and turns. Give Lake Mungo a view. I think I do think you'll enjoy it. And if you don't, you'll enjoy saying, here, here comes Mungo. Blazing Saddles. There's a Blazing Saddles reference and joke, folks. Just think just in case. I don't have Jim here to help explain the jokes. Or talk for me to, to drink. So I just have to kind of sneak these sips in. Let's talk Halloween ends really quickly. I know. I know. I just, I had this thought earlier. And it made me laugh. Because Halloween ends, just timeline-wise, where it takes place, I think it's months after Halloween kills. Years, maybe? I don't think it's years. I think it's months. Either way. They're already old as hell, and now they're going to be even older. They've already asked so much from us. Halloween 2018. The motherfucker gets a senior discount, and you want us to still be afraid of Michael Myers? You know what? Fine. We'll give you that. 
And then they get us with Halloween kills. And we're like, oh, okay, the movie's not right again. And then Halloween ends. They're going to be even older. Months go by, maybe years. That's too much. Too much. They ask too much. But we'll see. But I guess those wounds have to heal. You know, he's got to grow his finger back. She's got to heal up from her surgery. They've, they've got some housekeeping to do before they get to their exciting finale that they're probably still rewriting right now. I don't have a lot of hope for that movie. And it's it's sad, but we got Halloween 2018 out of it, so it's all worth it. I'm curious to see their big finale because this they've had kind of planned. This they've been excited about since they decided they were going to make sequels. We've been hearing about this one. So we shall see. Earlier this week, I saw this little headline, and it got me super excited because I don't think we've had Keanu Reeves in anything good with horror. He was in Dracula and whatever. But I saw this headline, and this was from, where is this from? Real Chicago. It's where I get all my local Chicago filmmaking news, Real Chicago. And it says, Keanu Reeves to film miniseries, The Devil in the White City in Chicago. Of course, if you're going to do The Devil in the White City, you have to film it in Chicago. The Devil in the White City, for those who do not know, uh, is a book by Eric Larson. Very, very good book. Now, when I read this book, I was expecting an H.H. Holmes story, and he's definitely in there. Uh, The Devil in the White City tells the, the story of the 1893 World Columbian Exposition in Chicago. And I figured it was H.H. Holmes all day, every day, but it's not. It's about the creation uh, and whatnot of that fair and also H.H. Holmes. And honestly, the, the, the exposition stuff is probably more entertaining than the H.H. Holmes stuff somehow. Um, really good book. It, it's Everyone has heard of this one. It, it's one of the best horror true crime books of all time and they're making a fucking mini series out of it that's how you do that's how you do and it's going to be on hulu and we recently talked about that hulu's stepping their horror game up and i am super excited about that good for them now the question is who the fuck's this guy playing Who's he playing? Because uh, I think, uh, so Martin Scorsese is producing with Leo. Leo! And I don't remember who Leo was supposed to play. But either way, one of those guys is going to be H.H. H. Holmes, you'd imagine. Uh, the other one's probably going to play Daniel Burnham. Let's see if I can get a picture of Daniel Burnham. He is the chubby-looking, 1893-looking motherfucker, so that could go either way. He looks like Taft. It's got a fucking walrus mustache. That's got Leo. That's Leo. So are we going to have Keanu Reeves as H.H. Holmes? That's so good. And this is the first uh, television Keanu Reeves has ever done, apparently. Which I never really thought about that. Never really cared. But that's that's awesome. So his first foray into TV is going to be this horror miniseries. Uh, the Devil in the White City. And that's a fucking cast right there. Leo and Reeves. Scorsese's back there somewhere doing coke. This is going to be great. I don't have any dates on that, but I can't wait for that one. 
Speaking of projects that I cannot wait to see, the Toxic Avenger reboot. Still don't have a date for it. They're still saying 2022, but no, no hard date, so that's never great. But Peter Dinklage is starring in this movie, and I've always assumed that, okay, you know, he's a short guy, he's going to get toxified, he's going to become a big guy. Easy joke, easy visual uh, gag, visual storytelling. And I think that's going to be the case here, uh, but he had a couple quotes, and this is from comicbook.com. He says, I just wanted to do something that I've never done before. So why not be a monster in an over-the-top crazy movie? And why not sing in another one? And I don't know what that singing one is, but let's get some musical numbers in, uh, in Toxie here. He says, this one's, it's not a remake. I just like guerrilla filmmaking. Those movies, whew, they just made them, no matter what. They just did it because they love doing it. Some of them are not the best, but some are so much fun. When you make movies too clean, it can distance the audience. They want to feel the dirt under their fingernails. I think those trauma films definitely dip the audience in toxic waste. So he gets it. He gets it. And yeah, it's it's sounding like he's going he's gonna to be playing a version of Toxie. It'll be a guy in a mask, some muscle guy, you know, in the second half. But he, he's going to play this character. And that's that's fun. That is fun. I'm super excited about this one, and no dates on this. So last week we talked about all the movies in 2022. It's looking like 2023 is going to be hot shit too. Devil in the White City, maybe uh, Toxie if they don't come out this year, um, but we shall see on that. So there's just a little update on the Toxic Avenger reboot. So next week's episode is probably going to be Scream. It's probably going to be all about the new Scream. I'm going to try to see it as soon as I possibly can. Apparently, there's spoilers out there already. So I'm trying to avoid the headlines, the pictures, the trolls, those damn trolls. Always trying to ruin a good time. So I'm going to try to see that as soon as I can. So just brace yourself that next week's episode is probably going to be Scream. Try to see it if you have an interest in that. Otherwise... If you're trying to avoid spoilers, that one's probably one uh, to miss. But I will warn you beforehand if that's what we end up doing. But I'm excited about it. And I saw one headline, and it made me go, hmm, hmm. It was, Scream 2 has the best opening sequence in the franchise. And like I said, I went, hmm, I don't know. I don't know about that one. So let's take a quick look at them. Let's take a quick look at them. And you let me know which one you think is best. So let's start with Scream 1. Obviously, Drew Barrymore, boyfriend in the chair in the backyard. One of the most iconic openings in horror movie history. They really, they really carved out a, a nice little spot for themselves there. So Scream 1, we, we know all about it. Scream 2... The one that this article is claiming is the best. So this one is the opening in the movie theater. You have uh, your young black couple, and that's important because we're talking about race relations and race in, in movies and stuff. And she's kind of a bitch. And he's like, whatever. Do you want to go see that Sandra Bullock movie? I'm just trying to fuck you. What the fuck are we talking about here? <laughs> And she says, no, no, we'll watch your fucking stupid horror movie. And they go into the, the theater, 
and it's fucking packed, and people are losing their minds. I've never seen anything like it. Um, have I? I might have seen some things close to that, but nobody in costume with fucking knives and glow sticks. But I don't know. I, I get excited that they're excited about a horror movie. So pack theater, and they get their seats, and they're you know they're getting their witty dialogue out talking about this that and the other and he ends up going to the bathroom while he's taking a leak he hears somebody in the stall next to him i don't i don't know i've always been curious about this is the guy in the stall supposed to be jerking off is that what's supposed to be happening in there because he's like closer closer and uh, the guy is like laughing and giggling like this fucking guy in this stall is just a, a riot. And he puts his uh, ear on the stall, which, come on. Talk about gross. You can't do that. You can't, <laughs> you can't put any part of your face on a bathroom stall. But he does. He's like, I got to hear more of this guy giggling and talking to himself. Yeah, so he puts his ear on the stall, and Ghostface in there, our killer, stab through the stall into the side of his head, the ear area, and I'll give him that. That's pretty cool. Like, that's awesome. And he's gushing blood, and, like, that's obviously a wrap for that character. Um, But it looks like he goes back in the theater. Uh, he's got a ghost face mask on now, same jacket, so it looks like the boyfriend. It's not, it's ghost voice, it's the killer. And he sits next to the girl, and you know she's busting his balls a little bit. And the movie starts, it's exciting, she gets scared, she grabs his arm. Oh, I'm so scared. Sandra Bullock, we should have gone seen it. Ooh. And she sees blood on her hands, because there's blood on the jacket, because her boyfriend just got stabbed in the fucking ear hole. And she's like, that ain't right. And before she can really do anything about it, Ghostface gives her some stabs. Bop, bop, bop. And you got to give Jada Pinkett Smith credit here. Lately, I've been talking about Scream. Scream Queens. And I love a good Scream. This is one of the best. So she's stabbed up in the stomach. She wanders out of the row down the aisle, she gets in front of the, the screen, bleeding, blood coming out of her mouth, and she's dying. And she, and she like drops to her knees, and she lets out this scream. Like she's moaning at first, uh, uh, and then she lets out this big old scream as she dies, and we cut to the credits. And the scream to opening is very good as we talk this out together folks i'm coming around to him a little bit this is one of the better ones but is he jerking off in there <laughs> i don't know what he's doing in there i'm gonna have to watch it back maybe next week if i can rem- fucking remember uh we'll talk about that maybe it's in the commentary oh i'd love to hear fucking wes craven and Kevin Williams seemed like, well, he's in there masturbating. You know, there's a deep-seated fear of masturbation. Those fucking rest in peace, Wes. Rest in peace. So there's Scream 1 and Scream 2 opening. Scream 3, the underdog. <sighs> it's not going to win best opening. 
And the reason why is Ghostface is using the voice changer thing. This is when we get voice changing technology. And this is technology that I do not need in my Scream films. I appreciate the advancement of the technology and raising the stakes and evolving things. I don't need voice-changing technology, especially that crisp and clean, and they're using it on the phone. They're using it not on the phone. Like, I can understand if you got some weird voice thing on the phone. But when you're in real life down the hallway, Hey, Christine, it's me. It's Leif Schreiber. Seriously. Like, what the fuck is this technology that doesn't exist? This is some Home Alone 2 shit. Except for in Home Alone 2, and they actually made the fucking Walkboy player thing. They actually made it. I, I had it because I was a spoiled child. And it did all those things. Slow motion. All, all that shit. Scream 3, they never fucking sold those voice changes because that's too much of a fantasy compared to even the children's film. The children's film was more realistic than our, our reality-based horror film. Crazy. So back to Scream 3. Opening. We get fucking Cotton Weary, who's, you know, a, def- a definite callback to the first two movies, specifically the first movie. This is the guy that was framed for killing Sidney's mom. Obviously, it wasn't. It was uh, Billy and Stu. They did it. They were the bad boys. So Cotton's out. He's out in part two. He's trying to get his big fucking interview with Diane Sawyer and Sid. He's like, come on. It's, Di- it's Diane Sawyer. But which, by the way, big rub, big Big name dropping for Diane Sawyer. Like she must have been hot at the time because that didn't have longevity. Like Barbara Walters has some staying power. Diane Sawyer. And he's fucking hot for it too. He's like, it's fucking Diane Sawyer. I'm trying to plow. I've been in prison for so long, Sid. Help me. So he's in part two a little bit. And I think everybody wanted more Cotton. Very interesting character. And we get it in part three, the opening. So, But unfortunately, as soon as you see him, you're like, yeah, it's Cotton Weir. Ah, shit, it's the opening, though. That means he's going to fucking die. And that ends up being the case. So he's in L.A. on on the highway. Traffic jam. Classic L.A. traffic, you know. And there's a billboard for his show. He's like a Jerry Springer type now, trash TV. And he's on the phone with somebody's agent. He's like, oh, whatever, I'm getting another call. I'm getting another call. And it's this wrong number. It's this hot-sounding lady. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry I have the wrong number, but you sound hot. Oh, wait a minute. Are you cotton-weary? He's like, yeah. You, you want to get 100% cotton up in here? Then we find out it's actually Ghostface. Is the voice changer thing is like actually it's me, Ghostface. <laughs> actually, I'm not a woman at all, and I'm at your girlfriend's house. And they cut to the, they cut to the girlfriend's house where they live together, and she's down the hallway getting ready for a shower. And Ghostface is teasing him. He's like, "Oh, she's got hot gabs. Oh, she get in the shower, cotton, cotton. She's getting in the shower." He's like, oh, you son of a bitch, you leave her alone. And he starts hauling ass. Speed and 
bumping, jumping the curves. He's he's got a high tail at home. So we get our first taste of that voice changing shit. Um, just random hot lady to to Ghostface, but then we get it again at the house. So she gets out of the shower and she's kind of spooked. I don't know. There's like a door open that shouldn't be open. Some some bullshit. And she's like, hello? You know, and, and down the hall, you're like, hey, Chris, it's me. Are you are you here? Is, are you, is everything okay? I had the weirdest fucking phone call. I was not going to cheat on you. I was not going to cheat on you. And she's like, no, everything's fine. I'm over here in the show. Oh, shit, it's Ghostface. Because it is Ghostface. Ghostface is there. It wasn't Leaf Shriver. So now we've got our second ghost or voice-changing bullshit. And a fight ensues, and she locks herself in the bathroom. Cotton Weary shows up. Same fucking thing. She's not believing him because she just heard his voice try to kill her or something. A little, little iffy on that. Um, like, does she think Ghostface is him? Or is she just untrusting of the voice, of any voices at this time? She's like, no, I'm not trusting any voices right now. I'm so sorry. But he comes to the rescue. Um, she ends up cracking him. He's like, I'm here to fight. It's me, dum-dum. And she's like, how about this fucking putter to the face? And he, ta- he takes uh, a bump, hits the ground. She's on, o- over him, you know, maybe going to take another swing. But behind her comes Ghostface, gets her. And then Cotton Weary uh, meets his end as well. Cut to credits. Scream 3. And honestly, it's not a bad opening. The only thing is that goddamn voice changer thing is so goofy in that movie. And I love voice changing technology. I've always loved, like, I don't like my voice. I'm, I'm so sorry that you have to listen to it. But they have that close enough. They What I'm saying is they should have marketed that item. Sell it. Make some money like Home Alone 2. But they didn't. And I don't think we ever see it again. I don't know if we get it in Scream 4. But speaking of Scream 4, let's talk about Scream 4. The opening of Scream 4. And I'm going to have to Google this one because this convoluted ass bullshit. Scream 4 opening explained. Because you know that shit's got like five videos, 12 top 10 lists. The opening of Scream 4. Because it's an opening within an opening within an opening because you get your two girls you know and they're a little sleepover and they're bullshitting and it's go you hear about this and Ghostface comes and kills them and you're like wow cool pretty standard opening i guess but then we pull back and it was two girls watching that on the movie that was stab five so they were watching stab five and they're like, wow, this movie, man, can you believe all that based on all those things? Nuts. Eh. Anyway, I'm going to go upstairs and do this, that, and the other. And Ghostface shows up, does his thing. Those two girls get got. And you're like, wow, they really subverted my expectations. They really took it to the next level. Then they pull back again and show two girls watching that movie. That was Stab 6. In Stab 6, they were watching Stab 5. And at this point... I'm like, fuck this movie. Like, I'll be honest with you. I always talk about giving a movie a shot and it's up to them to lose me. They lost me 
fucking immediately. And if it wasn't here, it's when old boy has the webcam glasses, and I was done. I was done. And this is all within the first 10 minutes. Ugh. Mm. Yeah, so they cut to those girls, and now we're actually in Woodsboro, and... Uh, they they fucking get got. None of it matters. None of it matters because they've already pulled the rug under you. So you you've lost track. It's lost any meaning. Like the deaths already don't matter. So they really fucked themselves with the opening of Scream Four. They were a little too clever, at least in my opinion. Who am I? And we will see the fucking opening of the new scream obviously you know that's just something you look forward to when it comes to a scream okay we'll see what the opening is we'll see who the killers are what the twist is the relation to that we'll see who dies red herrings are always fun they do red herring stuff uh, hilariously in those films so we'll see that but to rank them is scream to the best one with the as far as openings go i don't think so. I still have to give it up to Scream 1. I think it goes in sequential order. So unfortunately, this isn't a fun list of any sort. It goes Scream 1, Scream 2, Scream 3, Scream 4. Get the fuck out of here. And Scream's gonna... The new Scream. Scream 2022. So now I gotta start talking about it like that. Like Halloween 2018. Scream 2022. That's a fucking mouthful. That's going to be a nightmare for me, talking about this movie. Scream 2022. But anyway, those, those are the openings. Let me know what you think. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Scream 2 does have the better opening. Uh, leave a message on anchor.fm slash slash reveal pod. Uh, use, your, use your phone. Just press the leave voice message, and it's uh, easy peasy on that front for you. Because I'd love to know what you think. And uh, speaking of leaving messages on anchor.fm slash slash reveal pod, as you know, last week was Jim's last show for a while, stepping away to do some things. I forgot what reason he gave on the show. I forgot if it was a kayfabe reason or a shoot reason, so I'm not going to (laughs) say to protect the innocent. But regardless, the man is stepping away for a while. So I asked listeners, leave a voice message on the anchor page. You know, uh, say goodbye, that, that sort of thing. And uh, after 20 minutes of trying to figure out where to find that shit, <laughs> I did find uh, a, a couple messages here. So I'm going to play them right now. The first message is from a listener who's been listening for fucking ever, followed us through several name changes, as loyal as they come. And I'm hoping he sticks around this time, too. Here's a message to Jim from Jim, our guy. Kayfabe Jim. Hey man, Kayfabe Jim here. You know, it was two weeks ago I was listening to the podcast and I heard Jim talking about Dockett's video for Dream Warriors. So I just thought to myself, God damn, these guys get my brain. Uh, and then a week later, Jim announces he's leaving and uh, this guy I've been listening to for 10 years is just gone. Uh, you know, I've shared with you guys about how much I love this podcast. I randomly stumbled upon it after leaving Chicago and I thought, wow, here's a podcast that just really gets everything I like. And, uh, you know, I don't know, for whatever reason, just it stuck with me over the years. And every po- every week the pod was just great. It just seemed to hit exactly what I wanted to hear. And, um, you know, over time, I'd have listened to it over ups and downs and everything. And uh, it was just always there. So it just means a lot. And so, Jim, look, man, it's very sad to see you go, but thank you. 
thank you for all the content, the time and the laughs, the effort for years, if you can believe it. And uh, we've never met, but it just really meant a lot to me hearing you. So good luck with everything, man. Thanks again for all the work. Well said, Kayfabe Jim. Thank you for leaving a message. Uh, Here's one more, just as heartfelt and emotional. So brace yourself. This is from our friend and loyal listener, Dave. Yeah, this is Dave. First, you fuckers get rid of wrestling rabbit hole. Now Jim's gone. Dale's got to carry this shit all on his own. God damn it. I'm still going to listen, but I'm not happy about it. I love you, Dale. Jim, on the other hand, I love you too. So, uh, yeah, good luck with uh, whatever it is you're fucking doing. Best wishes, asshole. Best wishes, asshole, indeed. Well said, Dave. And never fear, guys. Jim will be back eventually. Maybe we'll be old men talking about, did you see Scream 8? Can you believe Dewey's kid was the killer? Oh, my God, they will fucking do this. They will do that. But that is going to do it for this episode. Quick plugs, as always. Check out the Patreon at Slasherville Pod. Everything's at Slasherville Pod. Uh, the Patreon, we've got monthly movie breakdowns, some surprise drops. I'm going to put up that Blacklist episode probably this week for you guys. And uh, all for the low price of five smackers a month. Helps me do the show all by myself. So much to juggle. Help a brother out. And leave a message on our anchor.fm page, Slasherville Pod, your favorite scream opening, maybe another message for Jim, uh, whatever you want. Maybe, maybe you actually take the plunge and you watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, and when it gets to the Illuminati part, you can't help but leave a message and talk about that fucking crazy shit. Uh, and follow uh, all of our socials at Slasherville Pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I try to be active on all of those. I post the episodes on Facebook and whatnot. And I just like Instagram over Twitter, so I'm more active there. But that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for being here. Next week's probably going to be Scream, so get ready. But that's going to do it. I'm Matthew McConaughey. <laughs>